Welcome to the Stony Plain Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community that is about discovering fullness of life for everyone by practicing the way of Jesus together. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, I'm Shalina. I'm one of the pastors here, and this is Amanda. This is our first time really seeing each other this morning because Amanda's been double duty with children's ministry, and I'm double duty with this. And so good morning, Amanda. Good morning. Good to see you. (laughs) Good to see you all. Well, um, as you heard already, um, here at SPAC, we're all about practicing the way of Jesus together, Uh, about being shaped by being with him, becoming like him, and doing what he does. And one thing we know about Jesus is that he spent a lot of time with um, the scriptures of his day, which was the Torah, the wisdom, the prophets, wisdom books, the prophets, the Psalms. And he would have, like all Jewish men of his time, he would have studied and meditated on them. And we see his knowledge come out in the Gospels through his ministry and his interactions with people and his interactions with the religious. And often he would he would blow everybody's minds um, revealing how the scriptures that they were so familiar with, that they thought they knew, were actually all about him. They're actually all about Jesus. And so one of the practices here at SPAC, we've done our giving liturgy, we've prayed together, we've sung together, but another practice is coming to the scriptures together, inviting the Holy Spirit to come and teach us what the inspired scriptures have to say about who Jesus is just as he was revealed, as he self-revealed himself. We get to, through the Spirit, see Jesus in new ways as we approach the scriptures. So we're in our series, um, Lectio Divina. It means divine reading. And it's an individual practice. It can be a communal practice. And we've been doing this over the month of January, and we'll continue to do it every month of January until... We don't, but we've done it. This is our second year doing it. And it's been really a rich experience as we come to the scriptures in a new way where it's not someone's, you know, prepared a whole bunch of stuff and is just going to teach us the one big point we're actually going to discover together in community. And so um, there has been so much engagement this week. It's been really exciting. If you haven't seen our creative corner hallway thing, you'll see the responses are kind of filling up over there as we are able to post them. And tonight at Encounter, um, which will happen later this evening at 7.30, there's going to be actual stations with opportunities to engage creatively as we actually Lectio together the passage, the psalm that we're doing for next Sunday. So I invite you to come to that. Um, this week, we had someone send, there were a couple of people who sent in songs that they had heard, and they're like, this resonated with me. One was new, and I hadn't heard, and it was actually Psalm 130 was, was the song. Um, and so it's, it's great to hear how Jesus is stirring and working these words out, working this text out in your lives throughout the week and getting participate in that. So this morning, Amanda and I get to facilitate a conversation about what we've been hearing, what you've been hearing, and then learn together what God might be saying to us as a community. So um, every week as we do this together, we've been learning to posture ourselves to be ready to receive. And so the pattern is stop, breathe, quiet, 
ask Jesus to be in our waiting. So what we're going to do to enter this practice together, we're going to be reading this psalm. It's a psalm of reorientation. So we've had a orientation psalm, a psalm of joy. We had a disorientation psalm, a psalm of lament and brokenness and how long, O Lord. And this week we had to do a reorientation psalm. That's a little bit of both. So I'm going to direct us in this posture. And then Amanda, would you pray for us? And then uh, read. Yes, thank you. (laughs) And then read the scriptures. So let's stop. We're going to breathe. We're going to quiet our heart and soul. And then we're going to ask Jesus to be in our reading. So Jesus, we come to you now. We have paused. We are waiting. We've quieted our hearts and our souls and our minds. So we ask that where two or three are gathered, or way more than that, that you would move in our midst. Would you, as we read um, this psalm, would you bring new light to it? Would you stir in our hearts and our minds so that we would have a new encounter with you, so that we would see you in the psalm? Would we have a sense of what it is you're saying to us as individuals, but also to us as a church family? Jesus, we will wait on you. We will wait for you to speak and for you to move. And so before Amanda reads, you do have papers. Um, that you were given at the door so that you can follow along. And the four questions that we're going to be going through this morning are on the back. And so as Amanda reads the psalm to us, and then we'll just wait. We'll take, we'll take a minute or two afterwards, and then we're going to engage together. But feel free to jot down your notes and thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. So this is Psalm 130. It's a song of ascents. Out of the depths... I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness so that we can with reverence serve you. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits, and in his word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord. More than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Let's just reflect together and wait.
Well, if you were doing this on your own at home or maybe in your life group, you would have more time than what the 30 seconds I just gave you <laughs> to wait. Uh, but hopefully you've already had a chance this past week to read and jot some notes down. If you haven't, that's totally, totally okay. One of the really exciting things about this practice is when you like underline things or notice things and then you hear somebody else noticed it too. They're like, yes, I was on the right track. But there's, there's some beauty in that, right? And there's some beauty in coming together as a community. So our first question that we have um, that kind of guides our experience is what images or words stand out as you hear the psalm? And for, what is this, eight, eight short verses? Yeah, is it eight? For eight verses, it's a certain number of verses. It's a short psalm, but there's a lot of imagery in there. There's a lot of ideas. And so there's a lot of exciting things that kind of were highlighted um, this, this week. So we're going to kind of go back and forth and introduce some of the things that you guys came up with as well. Um, one of the things for me, right off the top, out of the depths, I am, if you can't tell, I'm a deep, like, feeling kind of person. So I like things that start with out of the depths. It's very poetic. <laughs> and, that's, and that speaks to me. And um, I've kind of had an experience with, with Jesus kind of um, revealing my soul in the imagery of an ocean. And that's just kind of in the last few, few months. And so then I was remembering um, last time we did this, which was two weeks ago, uh, Amanda had an image of like the incense, you, you probably yeah. should say it, the, the temple courts and how our worship and our praise and our coming to the Lord is like an incense offering. So there's like the cloud of what we bring, but that the train of like the robe of the Lord in his courts um, just fills the whole thing with smoke. And so there's this like intermingling. intermingling yeah. yeah. So is that picture of intermingling of like the glory of God and like then our praise offered. And for me, it's like the ocean depths. It's like the depths of God's love and the depths of who I am and the depths of who he is and how deep there's like all these undercurrents in an ocean. So anyways, that was a, that was an image that was really highlighted for me. Um, and there were a couple people with the out of the depths part on our team someone talked about like how it's just so human yeah. you know sometimes we kind of live on the surface but we all have those moments where it hits us deep and we say the word deep <laughs> and it means something we have deep anger we have we have a deep joy we have deep longing and so it's a very human thing um, for us to experience and then um our beloved Diane, uh, who's who's with us on Tuesday mornings, she talked. She was reminded of the song from the inside out, and how there's this thing that happens in the depths when they're expressed. And we've talked about that. How the Psalms is a means of expression of what's happening in here, so that we can meet with God in that. And so it was a beautiful, beautiful picture. And um, yeah, what's what's the thing that stood out to you? Um, well, when we're talking about out of the depths, um, for me, it was like the whole imagery of this psalm talks a little bit about um, like the dawning light. So it's like everybody has those dark nights, the depths of that like 3 a.m. before the dawn where it's like it's the deepest dark that it can be. And so it's like there is this preempting the dawn, preempting that like rising hope and light. There's always going to be a darkness. Otherwise, you wouldn't even like see that that dawn rising. So. So another um, phrase that came out for people, um, a phrase of interest was uh, about God keeping record of sins. Could I get someone to grab me one of the little pieces of paper? Because I don't actually have the psalm printed out here. And that would be helpful to me. 
Thank you. Yeah, so that's the, the second paragraph. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins. Oh, stop. That, kept, that, that created a stop in me. And um, when I brought this to our life group, it was the very first thing that everybody um, responded with. And we're like, why do we think that God keeps record of sins? Like, where did that idea come from? So this is, this is saying, God, if you kept a record of sins, nobody could stand. Like, we, we'd be totally hopeless, right? But somewhere along the line, I don't know about you, but for me, I came up with this idea of God that he is keeping record of my sins and waiting to make sure that I've confessed the right thing for the right sin so that it gets crossed out so that, and this is, this is just not who God is. And so one person uh, in our group, they said, um, yeah, like they tie this to that idea of getting to heaven and that there's a list of all that is good and all that is bad. I think it's like St. Peter at the gates or something like checking, checking the list, checking it twice. I don't know. Um, but, but, um, he said, what if there is no list? What if mercy, the unending mercy of God means that he's not even like the list isn't there. What if our, he knows that our state is broken and that we're on a broken way and he wants to heal us and he wants to rescue us and restore us and redeem us. And he's actually not sitting there making sure that the balance scales all way out. Because the sacrifice of Christ just like means that the mercy is unending. So I don't know. Did any of you, did record of sins like come up for you? Was that something that gave you pause? Yeah. Yeah. So that's one thing that, um, that you know, is important when we're seeing this is checking our theology and being like, wait, what is it that we're actually saying here? And you, you caught something when we were reading in the message. Yeah. Um, so as we like have time as a staff, then... I always go off and read a couple of different translations. I think we all do. And the next uh, verse, verse four, says in the NIV, uh, what you'll have before you, but with you there is forgiveness. And so as I read it through the NIV, I was like, yes, okay, we know God forgives, check. But in the message, um, the way it was written is that your habit, Lord, is forgiveness. And so I was struck by the word habit because that's something that we like, we constantly return to. It's something that, you know, you work on and it's like time and time and time again, that like by the time it's a habit, you almost don't even have to think about it. And so there's this sense of like, yeah, it's not that God's keeping this list and being like, mm, do I forgive that or not? But it's like, oh, that's just a habit, like forgiven, forgiven. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, the posture of God toward us. Mm-hmm. Well, there was also um, some ideas around the watchman. Um, so when it's something is repeated in such a short little psalm and it's repeated twice, maybe we need to pay attention to it. So I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. And in different translations, there will be different ways of expressing this idea. But um, we, in my life group, we have a couple of shift workers, first responders. And so um, the one who had just got off night shift He's like, I know what that's like. I know what that's like being on, like knowing that as soon as the sun comes up, my shift is over (laughs) and I'm waiting with expectation for that sun to come up and that there's an anticipation in the waiting, right? It's not just sit back and, oh yeah, the sun will come up sometime. No, there's like a, there's a building anticipation that there's an end coming to this 
this thing that's going on right now. And it's something to look forward to. And in with the Watchmen, um, it was also noticed that like the first section of the psalm kind of talks about like, Lord, hi, I'm over here. Can you listen to me? And it's very like individual. But as it shifts to the watchman, it's M-E-N and that's like a plural. So they're talking about like, you know, you're doing this shift with other people. And, and so for me, the sense was there's, there's this communal language. And even in the later part of the psalm, there's, you know, all of Israel. And so there's this sense of like a communal pausing of everybody who is in this, like, in this depth, in this dark night, where you're, like, just waiting for any glimpse of light. But what is it to stand together, to do the, like, stop, breathe, wait, and watch the horizon, and even all of creation. Like, my brain went, there's a little bird on that branch, too, that's there looking at the horizon, and we're all just, like, holding our breath, and we're all desperate for the light. We're all waiting for that same thing to come. And we know on this side of it, we know that that light is Christ, that there, that his habit is forgiveness, that he's in the habit of turning to us time and time again, just like the dawning light, the sun's habit is to rise in the morning. And so there is this sense of like the watchman yearning, all of us yearning with all of creation together with our faces just turned towards the horizon where we know it's going to come. We have that hope and we have that promise and just getting to like wait and rest in that. Mm, that's so good. Another phrase that came up, um, let me see, where do I find that? Oh yeah, it's in the second paragraph. But with you, there is forgiveness so that we can with reverence serve you. So it was this whole idea of like forgiveness so that we can serve. And so for me, that really stuck out because um, again, especially if you think that there's a list waiting for you and you're trying to get on one side of the list rather than the other, there's this like, I better serve, you know, I better do the things. I better be the good person and make the right choices. But there's something that is deeply theological that everything in this life comes from God first. God precedes everything. His life precedes our life. His love precedes our love. His joy precedes our joy. <laughs> His worship, actually, the worship is already happening in heaven. We're not creating worship. We're not, um, we're not initiating it. Everything is initiated by God, and we respond to that. And it's the same thing with service. It's the same thing with going out into the world. It's not us serving so God's like, yay, good job, Shalina. That's not how it is. He's like, there's life for you in this partner with me. It's an invitation and God's already at work. His forgiveness and his um, acceptance of me comes before I do a thing before I do anything. And that's really beautiful. Yeah. And in the message that that passage is even actually translated as we are forgiven so that we can like worship. Worship is the word that comes out of it. And so again, there's that sense of like what comes out of, of turning to God and coming to him and receiving forgiveness is that that cloud of incense that whether we're coming in service, whether we're coming in worship, there is like a posture shift that something changes within us so that we are able to anything that we do, we do it unto the Lord. And there's that cloud of incense because maybe Maybe serving in ad kids isn't for everybody. Maybe serving on a worship team isn't for everybody. But the way that we live, the way that we watch for that light on the horizon, the way that we trust in it, the way that we follow through when we see it, 
that is like day by day we're able to have that cloud of incense offering back to the Lord. There are so many other things. You'll have to look at the message board to see all of the <laughs> responses, but I, I want us to be able to move on to the other questions as well. So the second question, what do you think the psalm means? And again, this question can be tricky because obviously we find its meaning as we answer some of the other questions. But there are a few things that... Um, contribute to how we understand this psalm. And one of them, I hear that the sermon discussion group that meets on Mondays, they went they went on a little rabbit trail, am I right? About the little subscript or superscript that happens at the the top of the psalm, a song of a sense. I heard that there was we started studying and we started looking into, I don't know, were we Googling and Wikipedia? Okay, well, um, this particular, we don't know this about all psalms, but there is a little message and it tells us what this psalm was used for in the community. And that's a psalm of ascents. And what that means, it's, it's like a song of pilgrims. And there's lots of like scholar, scholarly disagreement about when exactly that little title came into play. But um, so it could mean different times for different points in history. But whether it was for pilgrims making their way to Jerusalem for one of the three big pilgrim festivals or for um, when that original pilgrimage back to Jerusalem after Israel had been in Babylonian captivity for a really, really long time, we do know that there were these 15 psalms. And they were sung. There was music set to them. And they would sing them as a community as they would make their way together up, up the hill, up the mountain to go to Jerusalem. And so this is how they were gospeling themselves as they would approach Jerusalem after a time of feeling far away. And at Jerusalem, it's like that's where the sacrifices are made. That's where, that's where the Holy of Holies is. Um, and so they were on a journey toward God. And it was really um, a psalm of, of the journey, which I think is so applicable to all of us, right? These are these psalms of uh, reorientation, especially. It's like, these are the journey. It's like, we're up, we're down, we're all over the place. And those, those line graphs that you see where it's like, I hope that my journey with Jesus would be like this. And it's like the straight line up and you're like, actually, it's like up and down. And there's like a little loop-de-loop -loop over yes. here. And then you dip back down and go back up. Yes. Yeah, that's the journey. Um, Amanda, do you want to talk about one of the things that was kind of on your mind about what this, the heart of this song? Yeah. Um, so when we had first initially read this, my brain went imagery totally. And so um, really what I came away with was that there was this promise, again, that's reiterated throughout scripture that the mercies of God are new every morning and that the morning is always coming, that we know that there is that hope. There's the promise of a new dawn. And so there is this hope on the horizon. Um, and so that was, that was kind of where my thinking kind of started and ended on our Tuesday meeting. Um, but then as people started sending stuff in, as we talked as a staff, um, and as we had some really great reflections come in, the word waiting kept coming. And that, I will admit, I did not pick up on that at all at first. I was like, waiting, whatever. Yeah, we do that. But the more that I sat with that, the more that I read through the responses and heard from our staff team, um, I kind of haven't been able to escape that word. It is to wait, I think, is something in us. We're like, that's a waste of time. I should be doing something while I'm waiting. You know, you put the 
chicken in the oven and then you're like, well, I better start on the potatoes because that's how you cook a meal. You don't want to just like sit and wait and watch the oven, right? There's the same sort of thing with, with anything. But I think there's like a necessary shift in our understanding of what it is to wait. Um, it's not, not always idleness. It's not always laziness to have a time of waiting. It's not necessarily always boring. And that's, that's kind of, I think, where we sit as a culture and a society that's driven by like work and goals and get stuff done, be always on the go. But when we look at this psalm, when we look at the promise of Jesus, we see that there's really an invitation in the waiting for relationship with him, yeah. to abide and remain in him. So even as we were praying this week, I had the picture of a park bench and, you know, you go to sit and Jesus sits down beside you and you've got the little breadcrumbs and you're going to throw the breadcrumbs out for the pigeons and who knows if they're going to come right away. I've never actually done that before. No. <laughs> I've done it with ducks. Okay. Uh, Rotary Park, I think. When I'm I was trying a to kid. relate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm with you now on the park bench. I've watched a lot of movies. The image, not necessarily the lived experience. Yeah. But there's that like sense of like, you're going to throw out the crumbs and then you're going to wait. Birds will come, but you're, you're going to wait. What do you do in that time? What do you do in the time of, you know, you've said a prayer and it's not answered immediately? Well, in the waiting, you can be with Jesus. If you come to him in the temple courts and, and you come before him and you're, you know, ready to sing a song of joy or you're going to ask for help for your needs to be met, in that time in between, there's actually a time to um, persist and to just remain with Jesus, right? Totally. One of the cool things, so um, we had put on the blog an opportunity for, you know, written ref reflection or creative expression or questions. And one question came in and I was so grateful for it. It was just, it was one line. It was a question. And I'm like, and I think this is the heart of it. So the question was, does waiting mean not doing anything? Can we do while waiting? And I think that's a very honest question. And I think um, we do, uh, especially in the, these settings where we're trying to pause from our busy lives, we, we kind of emphasize the stop, wait, you know, whatever. But the reality of waiting is that you can't just sit and wait for life to happen to you. Like we are participants in our own lives, right? And um, so it was actually cool. I was on Instagram and I was just scrolling and this thing came up and it was talking about the Hebrew um, meaning of that word wait. So I haven't, I haven't even told this to you. Brand new information. Um, and apparently the root of this word wait um, also can refer to like the tension that exists in the strands of a cord that are all wound together to create a really strong rope. And so the reflection is around this intertwining that makes it stronger. And so that waiting isn't just sitting and waiting for God to move. Um, it's actually being tethered to him and like intertwines with God and then trusting ourselves to his timing and his pace and growing in intimacy as we stay with him. So waiting is not the absence of doing. Waiting is getting intertwined with God and it's getting stronger in that space. So uh, Amanda, the next question, where do you see Jesus and his kingdom revealed in this psalm? Hmm. 
Well, that he's with us in the waiting. Mm -hmm. There's that picture, um, the watchmen being plural, knowing that there is this like communal sense and this sense of being with, being intertwined. And then I think like even just in that that promise of the rising dawn, the dawn that's coming, um, I made the really excellent pun on Tuesday that, you know, the sun is coming when it dawns. Good job. Like that, yeah. Good job, man. Sun, Jesus, sun, the ball of light. And that's, yeah. that's really original, Amanda. I know. <laughs> I did really good. Um, Thank you for laughing. <laughs> There were lots of, um, there was lots in, in all of the different reflections. It happened in my life group. Um, there was a lot of like, oh, each one of these paragraphs, there's a movement to these paragraphs. There's different things happening in this psalm. And so someone in my group, they picked out a key word from each paragraph. And it, it was mercy, then forgiveness, then hope, then wait, then redemption which is really the story of Jesus. It's the story of Israel. It's the story of waiting for that fulfillment to come um, hundreds, hundreds, thousands of years um, of that, that kind of wait. And then in Jesus, everything is fulfilled. I'd like to read one reflection from, from somebody who also was kind of like seeing different the- themes. Um, So she said, hey, I read this several times before asking myself where I see Jesus. So it was hard to see initially. And now it's like this passage is screaming his name. In verse three to four, Jesus took our record of sins upon himself and gave us forgiveness instead. Verse five to six, the word was with God and the word was God. And Israel longing, longing for the Messiah who is Jesus to come. And then verse seven and eight, Jesus is our full redemption. And she reflects, it makes me wonder how uh, now, how the Israelites would have read this passage. And so that's caught me a couple of times this week too, is that we get the benefit of knowing Jesus. (laughs) And so we can look back into this and be like, oh, there is a sun coming. There is a dawn coming. But for the people of Israel, they did not know what they what that was going to look like, or they thought they did, right? That's, that's what Advent was all about. They thought that, um, you know, there was going to be a political power, that there was going to be a religious leader who would come and make everything right. And Jesus subverted all of their expectations, all of the, the theories of what um, being saved, what redemption would look like. And so there's something, there's a mystery in this. And there's a mystery even when we read the Psalms and we see these little prophetic glimpses. So this looking ahead of like Jesus in the scripture, but it's like, well, they couldn't have known who Jesus is at that time. And so there's mystery in the scripture. And so when we go back and read the Old Testament, and when we read the Psalms, it's really good for us to have that lens of mystery (laughs) and letting the spirit show us things that maybe even the original authors did not, did not see and did not know. All right. Oh, and then I have to mention what Kimberly, Kimberly had said on Tuesday. Um, she created this picture because we talk about like love flowing and love being poured out. And so um, she was just drawn to this cry for mercy. And her question was like, what if mercy flows unending just like love? What if he is just as abundant with mercy as he is with love? And I think that's true. 
mercy, love, justice, all of these things are actually one thing. They're all love. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. All of those things are one thing. But sometimes we think, oh, yeah, God loves me, but there's not enough mercy. Yes, God, God is love, but justice. And so um, we have this opportunity to see all of these characteristics, all of these attributes of God brought to fullness in Jesus, where there's abundant mercy to meet us. So last question, uh, what is the Psalm inviting us to do or put into practice as individuals or as a community? Well, I think a big part of it is stepping into that like perspective shift of what it is to learn to wait, of what it is to wait with Jesus to persist in relationship with him, even in the times in between a prayer and an answer, like to remember that picture of the sun coming and to remember hope, what it is to stand with Jesus and to stand like with all of creation and turn your eyes to the horizon, even when it's that dark night, even when it's really hard to believe that there's ever going to be anything light coming again. What is it to continue to just like reorient yourself to that horizon point and know it's going to come? Um, yeah, Kimberly also had said, what if waiting was the norm? What if instead of always in our pursuit of, of hurry and busyness, what if waiting, what if that, that mind frame, what if that became the normal way that we view things? Um, that one, that one landed in the team. Like as soon as she said, like, what if waiting was the norm? We were like, whoa, <laughs> like yeah. that would change everything. <laughs> yeah. Because waiting is not our posture. Our posture is make the pain stop now. Mm -hmm. Make this get better now. Fix this now. Be productive now. Get the Instagram likes now. <laughs> like there's there's so much about our culture and our society that yes. is like programmed for that instant gratification of like, yes, we affirm you. We can double click on this and you get a heart and you know that like, yeah, awesome. You're doing a great job, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I love that. And I I mean, write it down if you want, because I, f I feel like we're going to come back to this yeah. as as a community. What if waiting was the norm? What if waiting was the first posture that we have as a community? As we worship together, as we make decisions about finances, as we make decisions about uh, ministry things. What if waiting, being abiding in Jesus and waiting on him was our norm? Yeah. In that, there's kind of then the responsiveness, that shift from like the individual language to the communal language. I think there's, as an invitation for us as a community, that movement, um, we had a response come in that, that said, verse eight is an invitation to full on declaration to others. That as we've experienced Jesus and we know that there is this hope on the horizon that we don't just like hold back and keep that for ourselves, but that we can say, hey, actually fix your eyes over there. Something amazing is coming. Something like you've never seen before. Something that you've been waiting for this whole night. That the other watchmen on the wall that you can say, hey guys, just keep watching over that way, I promise. Something good is coming. Totally. I think, yeah. So if the first thing, like the takeaway from this is learn to wait, waiting is the norm. Then I think another thing for our community is the sharing of hope. And that's what we see happen here in this progression. 
Um, I've just been on a healing journey. Like I've been going to counseling and doing different things. And I'm seeing this kind of cycle emerge, which maybe it used to take months to get one time through it. And now I'm almost seeing it happen like once a week, sometimes once every two days. And, um, but it's, it's pretty much this. And so the way I had articulated is like, okay, experience pain. And then I'm disoriented. Then I express it. And in the expression, all of a sudden I have room within myself to think. <laughs> and then there's room for revelation. So into that space, after I've expressed my pain, then Jesus comes and gives me something. And I'm restored. And then immediately, as Amanda knows, then I share it with everybody. <laughs> and once that, once that uh, restoration happens, then it gives us what we need to go into to share hope with someone else who is in need. Um, in my life group too, uh, somebody, they took the last paragraph of this and they decided to replace it, um, the word Israel, with you. And so, so then he prayed it over us. And this is, so just close your eyes for a second. I'm going to pray it um, the same way. So put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love for you. And with him is full redemption for you. He himself will redeem you from all your sins. Isn't that good? The psalm is speaking to the nation of Israel. But in Christ, we are Israel. We are adopted. We're we're. Um, through the blood of Christ, we become part of the bloodline of Abraham. <laughs> we are all Israel together. And so we get to experience this hope together. And we get to let our pain um, be met with good news. Last thing um, for what this psalm is inviting us to do. I think it's like really believe that God actually longs for us. Actually, I said that at the beginning, right? Like everything, everything we think we're doing first, God is actually doing it first. So before we start waiting for God, he's waiting for us. He's been waiting for us for a very long time. He's waiting for us right now to say yes to all the good things that he has for us. And so I think that there's something that we need to take with us to know that God longs for us. And um, I think there is a, a response here that spoke to that. Yeah, this, the response came about what you see, uh, how you see Jesus, but I think it speaks to this. The characteristics of Jesus are scattered throughout this psalm in words like mercy, forgiveness, love, and redemption. He exhibited these characteristics when he was on earth, and he still does now while he is waiting for me while he is waiting for all of us. And that waiting isn't passive, it's active. He's running after me in more ways than I have room to list, all while waiting for me. It's like he spent my entire life waiting for me. Isn't that beautiful? I came across um, Isaiah 30 and it says, there's, there's two translations of it, and they just encapsulate everything perfectly. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. 
for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. And again in the NLT, it says, so the Lord must wait for you to come to him so that he can show you his love and compassion. God is waiting for us so that he can show us his love and compassion. And that is really, really good news. You want to take us to the table, Amanda? Or did you have something yes. else you wanted? Yeah? Table? Yeah, take us to the table. That way. Yeah. So as we move to this time of response, um, we have the opportunity to practice even just a moment of what it is to wait. So I invite you, um, we'll take just a couple of seconds here, but come into the courts of the Lord. Come tread water in the depths of his ocean of mercy. Sit on the park bench with Jesus and wait for the, the fluttering of wings for that, that presence of something new to come. Sit in that dark space where you may find yourself like the watchmen and turn your eyes towards the horizon, waiting the dawn. Wherever you are, wait with Jesus. So we're going to practice again that, that moment of stop, that breathing deep, a moment to quiet ourselves and wait. So Holy Spirit, would you meet us in our waiting? You are the ever-pursuing God. Would you stir in this space, Spirit, as we tune our hearts and our minds to your rhythms, to your movements, to your ways, and to your promise. So we come to the table, and we'll take the bread and we remember his body broken for us. So I invite you to take that. This is Christ's body broken for you. We respond in stillness. We respond in continued waiting. We let waiting be our norm. This is Christ's blood poured out for you. So as we respond in worship, would we remember with gratitude the ways in which Christ is moving, the ways in which the sun is ever coming, would we declare that and make that our statement today? Amen. Thank you for tuning into our podcast today. To discover more about Stony Plain Alliance Church and its ministries, visit our website at spaconline.com. Grace and peace.